It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Welcome to another episode of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you throughout the Lake Country and beyond with an office right there in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online at livingworth.com. Brian brings more than two decades uh, in the financial services industry to the table each and every episode, and he's been a practicing certified financial planner since 2013. And uh, great to be with you once again, Brian. We are up against an election. The news cycle has just been, uh, I can't keep up with all the different things that we have to like track each and every day. Oh, what, Walter? No, this is the most important election of your life. I mean, the very future of the country depends on this. How can you not be constantly paying never-ending attention to this. I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm going to use a reference that uh, might not land home for anybody, but I think you'll at least get it, Brian, because you've got a couple of daughters um, in the equation. Do they watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette at all? Not a thing around our house yet. Not My wife oh, used okay. to watch right. it. My wife used to watch it, but... The Every season they it. say... It's the most dramatic season ever of The Bachelorette or whatever, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. And so it does feel that way a little bit every time we have an election. Instead of most dramatic, it's the most important election of our lifetimes. It, it, you know, it gets billed that way every four years, it seems. The, the amount of hyperbole is just off the chart. I mean, and, and you watch these ads, and I'll admit I, I tuned into the debates, and I, I pay way more attention to this than I, than I probably should just out of curiosity. But it astounds me the... You know, the the amount of divisiveness out there is a real thing. And I think last time we talked about uh, uh, the social dilemma, that documentary that came out about how this social media is dividing people up into these little cocoons of, of, of information where they're only repeating and parroting their, their own side. But the, the level of division is, is off the chart. And, uh, you know, then people come up with these ads and say, oh, you know, the very soul of our country is at stake here. This is a life or death uh, election. And I just, you know, that does not help the situation at all. Yeah, I think uh, hyperbole is something that has just been becoming, you know, more and more of a problem over the years and will probably continue to amplify with every year, no matter who ends up being in office. Uh, the hyperbole is here to stay, most likely. Probably to drown out the noise with, with so many channels of information and uh, you've know, you got streaming sources and you've got social media and you've got regular TV. And, and I mean, when I grew up, it was three channels, four if you were lucky. And, um, yeah, that was that was kind of it, that that and your circle of, of friends and communication. So uh, I think to stand out, you have to be ever more dramatic. You do. Absolutely. That's very true. And we're not even talking that much about the social media side of it, just even just the, the traditional media side. Mm-hmm. You've got to do that. So very interesting. Uh, we've got a lot of things that are going to happen over the course of the next couple of days leading up to the election and then after. And we wanted to take the opportunity on today's show, Brian. I know this is just something that you wanted to address and kind of dedicate a show to kind of trying to put into perspective this election, finances, retirement, the unpredictability of it all that I, I think if you don't have just sort of this pit of unsettledness in your stomach, um, not saying it, this has to dominate your life, but I feel like everybody's probably got a little bit of that unsettled feeling in any election, in the change of power potentially, and just all that goes into it, that unpredictability um, you know, level is definitely at an all-time high, I would say. Uh, maybe that's hyperbole, but there's a lot of unpredictability right now for sure. Uh, markets, as we've talked about before, don't like that. And so I think a lot of people are just looking for answers of like, what should I do? How should I approach this? What should be on my mind with this election days away? 
um, at mm-hmm. least at the time of, of our recording and when this is released. So, uh, yeah, put into perspective for us, like what, what direction we should be thinking in right now. Yeah, well, I think we can talk about this in a way that is relevant, you know, whether this is right before the election or right after the election or, or a few months after the election, for that matter. You know, the points I want to make today are, are relevant and, and timely over you know, multiple time periods, because as you said, after doing this for 20 years, I've watched multiple presidential elections. We've had uh, different legislation and uh, international you know, foreign policy issues and budgetary spending items and all, all of these economic cycles that we go through. And my biggest concern is when a client comes in and says, oh, you know, this, this, this happened uh, in 2008 when Obama got elected. And I had not, not a lot, but a couple of clients Oh, oh, an avowed socialist is, is in the White House. We, you know, we need to sell everything. And, and at the moment, we were at the bottom of the financial crisis. You know, the market had sold off. And that was a stressful time. You know, so so to, to say that today is more polarized or more dramatic or more, you know, the stakes are higher today than, than they were in the past, I, I don't think that's the case at all. But um, anybody that panicked and actually acted on you know this irrational fear of what one president in one term could do uh, causes people to make some very bad decisions. You have to back up and look at the overall arc of the market, the economy, the country, and we we've been through many many presidents, administrations, policies. And, and so to react to one president and, and one presidential election and, and even their proposed policies uh, can actually lead you to make some very bad short and long-term investment decisions. Well, we don't have to look back very far. I mean, just to 2016 provides us with plenty of examples of, you know, how we expected one thing and it resulted in another. I mean, uh, we know a lot of people were wrong in 2016, not only on the election, but also on the results and the mm-hmm. additional uh, cascading events from that. Yeah, the polls, the the betting markets, the, uh, you know, all the forecast had Hillary Clinton set to just absolutely dominate. I think it was a foregone conclusion going into that night that it was going to be a, a Hillary Clinton victory. And I went to bed and actually woke up in the middle of the night, was hungry, grabbed a snack. And so I turned the TV back on as some of the, the key swing states were coming in and it, and it turned for Trump. And like that revved me up and ruined my night's sleep, obviously. But it was fascinating to watch because the the futures market, which is a futures contract, it's not the, like the market actually trades after hours, but people are betting on what the market will open at and be once once trading actually begins. The futures market dropped like a thousand points once it was becoming clear that Trump was likely to be the winner. And I said, oh, fabulous. This is great. I'm going to get a great buying opportunity in the morning because I'd been sitting on some cash. I thought this will be a good chance to, to buy in on this shock or the uh, unexpected outcome that was happening. Well, by the time the market actually opened, those futures markets had come back to basically zero and the market opened flat and then proceeded to go up. So even in that short of a time, trying to bet or make an investment decision on the specific outcome of an election, even if you think you know what it's going to be. Again, let's, let's look at 20, 2008, we'll look at 2016. If you had gotten out of the market because you were unhappy with the outcome of the election, both 
cases both times, you would have missed out on a phenomenal run-up over the next you know, four to eight years in the market. So I say all that to, to say that it doesn't matter as much as people think what a specific uh, administration or term is going to do. You, you, you can spend a lot of time talking about, well, what if, you know, what does a Biden win mean? What does a Trump win mean for different sectors potentially? And in a good example of this is if, if you know, back in the, the day if, when Reagan won uh, the election, if you had bought into defense stocks, because you know, he had the big military buildup, obviously trying to fight and win the Cold War with, with Russia, they had a massive buildup. Maybe, maybe military stocks would have been good. You know, maybe under uh, George Bush, I, I don't think anybody necessarily predicted that he would pass Medicare Part D, but that certainly would have been good for the drug stocks and, and some of the healthcare stocks. So you can you can try and make bets and play, you know, what sectors are going to be favored with a certain administration. But I've never done that. I've, I've never really said, hey, let's overhaul the portfolio based on on who's going to win. It just I, I don't think it matters as much as people want it to. I think you have this competing um, concept as well, but sometimes they align and that's the short term versus long term predictions of these kinds of things like there's uh, you kind of have to be right in multiple ways right we got to try you're trying to be right in the short term trying to also read the tea leaves for how things are going to pan out in the long term and the two sometimes go together but also may may not relate at all because of all these other factors that you're bringing up well and, and we're electing a president with limited powers that does still have to get you know congress to go along. They may have the Supreme Court rule against them and things. So it's, it's not a, you know, a dictatorship or a, a king that we're electing. It, you could get into you know, whether you know, presidential executive orders or things like that have become too prevalent, and that's, that's concentrated more power in the executive branch. But at the end of the day, if you look at presidential positions or you know, proposals as they're running for election, no president has ever been able to fully implement what they were proposing or planning during the election cycle. The, the negotiations and the back and forth and the reality of you know, what they can actually get done. That's why the first always, hundred days is always so talked about and important, because that's where most of it happens, right? Yeah, well, they, they, they try and get some momentum out of the gate. Yeah, sure. And, and, and depending on how much support uh, they're able to garner or how much. Uh, animosity and uh, angst that, that they're able to, to stir up and, and create a, a, an opposing force, that, that's all going to have an impact. Reagan was you know, phenomenal at, at cultivating bipartisanship, and, and he, he got a lot of very contentious things done, and uh, you know, tax reform, the military spend up, they made some changes to, to fix Social Security. All of, those, all of those things required bipartisan support. And I would say overwhelmingly, if, if you went back and looked at how the market did, not under a specific president, but under a mix between the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, when, the, when a single party is in control of all of those, we actually get the worst outcome. It's when they're divided and they have to negotiate and compromise that we actually get the best results. Uh, so you know, really what you want to see is, is those checks and balances working. And you know, the, the other things that matter are you know, cabinet selections, who they put in 
charge of all these different uh, departments, Supreme Court appointments. All of these things are actually very long-term impacts that have a lot more to do with you know, the, the, the long-term impact on the market, the economy, the, you know, the taxes, than just one specific proposal or policy. As you throw into the list of unpredictable elements, we also can't predict what will happen to whatever president is in place, you know, come come January, end of January, um, or what will happen outside forces to the economy. I mean, the, the numerous examples there show that even if the quote unquote right person gets into the job, well, they may not have control over something else that happens. Yeah, well, I mean, a perfect example of that would be, you know, George, George W. Bush. I mean, September 11 dramatically altered the course of his presidency, the war on terror, the buildup of the, the NSA and, and intelligence. So nobody would have predicted that going into his administration. And uh, you know, another big surprise under Bill Clinton, in the late 90s, the economy was doing so well and the tax revenues were up for the federal government, they actually balanced the budget. I don't think anybody was expecting Bill Clinton to balance the budget. I think it surprised himself that they balanced the budget. And the, the, the point is that most of these economic cycles are far longer than a, a single or even a two-term presidential run. You could argue that some of the reforms that Reagan put in place may have taken a decade or two to fully play out as people changed their behaviors, adjusted for new tax codes, stimulated research and development and, and spending into those areas. That stuff's not an immediate cause and effect. And obviously, politicians will take credit for anything good that happens while they're in office, and their opponent is going to try and blame them for anything bad that happens in their administration. And, you know, it's when it's your side, it's fun to take the credit. And when it's not your side, it's fun to, to point the blame. But a lot of these things play out over much longer time periods. And uh, to, to attribute it to a single president is actually, is, is again, as much as I, I want to take the win when it's on, on my side, you just sort of have to deflect that and say, it's not about this individual. It's not about one person creating all of this change. We're also living right now through uh, another great example of those unpredictable issues. Who knows how 2020 would have been different without a pandemic, how everything would have played out, where we would be right now in terms of the discussion about the election. I mean, precisely in, a, in an alternate mm-hmm. universe, 2020 would be really interesting to see how it played out if Wouldn't, wouldn't uh, it be COVID-19 fun? Yeah. hadn't have been around. Yeah, it, yeah, it would absolutely. be fun to know how that worked out. And, and the same applies to next year. You know, what will 2021 look like with a vaccine and COVID going away versus what if we have a major resurgence and this thing sticks around? And I think I heard the comment uh, during the debate, the last debate of, you know, we're wearing masks until 2022 is the prediction. So uh, an entire another year of sort of the, the mask and the uh, uh, COVID issue lingering on for that long. I mean, who knows the impacts of that long term uh, after we've already lived through almost a year of it. So, so many of those little unknowns out there. But it sounds to me like, Brian, based on talking to you, that you kind of feel like all these things almost serve as, I mean, they deserve attention, absolutely, but are almost distractions from what we should really be paying attention to? Well, I personally think so, yes, because there are topics that you know should be dealt with, should be front and center, should be on top of people's mind, that get very little attention, airplay, or action from our politicians. And, and one of the big ones is the out-of-control deficits, 
spending on the entitlement or mandatory programs like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, uh, all of that spending has become a massive part of the federal budget. And the discretionary portion of it has shrunk down to actually a fairly nominal percentage of the of the budget, maybe maybe 10 or if you count military budget, 15, 25% of the budget that you could really do much about. And regardless of administration, regardless of of you know political party and affiliation, and you know this, I'm going to point the finger at you know the president, the House, and the Senate because they have let spending continue out of control. Deficits have piled up under both parties for decades, and there is just absolutely no political will to fix these programs and you know pay down the debt. And now that we're in a zero interest rate environment. Uh, the cost of borrowing $27 trillion is, is relatively low. And um, you know, that, that, that could whipsaw and, and sneak up on us and be a, a major problem down the road. And nobody's doing anything about it today. Yeah, that's, it's a huge issue, huge problem. And um, you're right, we're all just a little bit too comfortable sweeping it under the rug because it's, we don't want to deal with the issue. You know, it's kind of like that, uh, I, don't, I don't know, uh, I won't throw any family members under the bus here, but a family member uh, that I know of, and I, we probably all have someone in our lives or maybe have done this personally, it's like something with your health. Um, I'll, I'll use like a skin, a skin something as an example, like, hmm, that's probably not supposed to be there on my arm. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's probably an issue, but I'm just going to cover it up with my sleeve hopefully nobody notices it and i'm just not going to think about what that could be until i don't know until it becomes a problem and that's a big mistake because yeah, if you just address those if you just address it and get mm-hmm. it fixed it's, it turns not into a big deal um, yeah so that that one has uh you know we've talked about it a lot and what impact that could have for future taxes and you know with all the boomers moving into retirement and drawing on these programs i mean that just continues to be a problem i didn't hear anybody talking about it not it, it, it watched the two of the debates and it, it didn't even come up as a topic they, they mentioned social security they mentioned medicare oh they want to do medicare for all and all that stuff but you know, the, the current programs we have are arguably broke and uh you know siphoning off massive amounts of the of the federal budget and no no talk of really fixing the problem a behind the scenes moment for our listeners you know we share notes before we go into these recording sessions and brian you'd also written down on this list that we uh created of all these different impacts from the election and these concerns uh insider trading is that really a a, a big issue or concern this is my big issue okay. this is the one that drives is the thorn in my I feel like side. we don't hear a lot about it until it's a celebrity, like Phil Mickelson. You, you hear whispers about that. And then, you know, the Martha Stewart being one of the big ones. Right? Oh, well, well, sure. Because they're private citizens. They're not politicians. And with the clients that I have, I mean, it, not a lot, but occasionally I will have inside information on what's happening at a specific company or, uh, you know, some of it's rumor, some of it's actual inside information. But if I act on it, I go to jail, and Martha Stewart went actually went to jail for trading on uh, basically insider information. Well, if you were uh, sitting in the COVID briefings and you had the foresight to say, "Hey, this could be a real problem," and this you know we might have lockdowns and shortages of protective equipment, and you know what impact could this have for GoTo Meeting and and Zoom and Citrix or healthcare stocks and things like that. You're allowed as a 
senator, member of the House of Representatives, you can leave those security briefing meetings and go trade in your own portfolio based on that information. So I'm going to take it back a little further to get away from the COVID and the emotionality of the and the recency of this. But when when George W. Bush passed Medicare Part D, that was the prescription drug plan, there were several senators that left the 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 meetings where it was like it looked like this legislation was going to get done, it was going to get passed. And they went out and loaded up on pharmaceutical stocks in their personal portfolios. Perfectly legal. Ethical? Is it a good look? No, I don't think so at all. But I think it is a crime that they're allowed to trade on this information. And us as private individuals, if, if, if we get insider information, we, we, we're criminalized and, and prosecuted for, for trading on it. It doesn't pass the smell test, that's for sure. Yeah, it, so, so that's, that's my big issue. And obviously nobody's talking too much about it. It, it comes up you know, uh, from time to time when it happens, but uh, no, nobody seems to be doing anything about it. So have you had clients who, given all of these factors, their reaction to all of this is, well, I just don't want to even play the game. Like, let me just pull out of the market, see where the dust settles, and then come back in. And is that a big problem if something like that? Well, I mean, so that's, that's my job is to get people to do the things that they're uncomfortable doing, or maybe their instincts are saying not to do. You know, it's an easy business. You buy low, sell high, right? I mean, that's, that, that's all you have to do. No, I, thought but, was, I thought it was the other way around, based on what most people do. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a <laughs> private session after this, Walter. I'll, I'll get you straightened out there. That's right. Uh, you know, but, but really, when, the, the, when it's hitting the fan and everything bad is happening, people's impulse or their, you know, the reaction is to sell, sell, run, you know, run, run for cover. And I get really excited when uh, you know, things, like I said, when the 1,000-point the, the drop in the futures market happened, uh, the last election night that excited me. I, I was actually, you know, looking forward to getting some good buys. Wherever as everybody else was like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening? We 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 need to get out." So my job is to really coach people to do the things that they instinctively don't want to do. And so that is buying when things are distressed. That's that's actually a less risky time to get into the to the market, even though it feels more risky. Then at the top, everybody falls in love with their stocks and their portfolio and their statement balance. I can't pry these investments out of their hands, but I have to say, look, we've outperformed. This is, you know, we've, we've hit our goal and then exceeded it by some. Let's take a little bit off the table. Let's raise some cash and fortify that position. So, you know, it's, it's a constant psychological game. Whereas if you remove the emotion from it and back away from it, it, it seems very easy. I just buy on the dips and sell on the, the peaks and emotions get in the way. So I, I work very hard to make sure people aren't completely selling out of their portfolios or, you know, they, they, knowing that they have a plan for cash flow, for reserves, for, you know, where's the money going to come from for the next several years, potentially. And if you do that well, you know, then people can sleep at night and these, these short-term events can play out and they, they will be volatile and there will be some emotion to it, but it does not compromise your retirement income security, your standard of living, those types of things. The long-term planning for you and your clients always outweighs any short, uh, sort of short-term goals or anything like that. The, the long-term always trumps 
the uh, the short term. By the way, uh, no political leaning here, but one day, whether it's in a week or if it's in uh, four years, um, when Trump is out of office, I'll be glad to be able to just use the word Trump naturally again, like Trump card or, you know, Trump's <laughs> right. this or Trump's that, you know, because I feel like it's got such a... Uh, such a stigma around trying to just use that phrase in any way, shape, or form these days. So I'll be look, looking forward to getting that word back into my ca- vocabulary naturally. <laughs> yeah, free it back up. That'd be That's good. Right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, the long term always trumps the short term, right? Very good. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and the other thing to do, if you're in a stew about this and focusing on the play-by-play and, and you know what's happening on the news today, my encouragement is to turn off the TV Go back and it's not going to have that big of an impact on on your life, regardless of, I mean, it, it may you know, have a, a financial impact here and there, but really, I mean, at the end of the day, do, do you want to spend your life tuned into and, and stewing and fighting with your friends on Facebook over you know, a political point, or do you want to focus on your goals, the people in your life that you love and want to be with and, and spend time with and doing the things that you want to do? You know, we, we just got back from a great trip. We flew out to uh, Colorado and Utah for, for fall break. And so we, we did the, the masks and being careful and sanitizing. But traveling's actually gotten to be pleasant because two-thirds of the people aren't clogging up the airport anymore. The, uh, the middle seats are open. And if, if you're just careful and, and um, you know, get out and do, we had a great time, made some good memories, had fun with the kids. We didn't hole up in our basement and... Uh, you know, just just live in fear. So there, there's no, there's no upside to that. Yeah, we uh, we went on a vacation recently as well, Brian, and it was uh, it was awesome. We went down to a small island in Florida and mm-hmm. um, got a, a little house on a canal with the little rental pontoon boat. It was about as social distance of a vacation as you could have had. Um, we were out in the water by ourselves in the in the middle of the mm-hmm. ocean. You know, <laughs> like it was it was fantastic, and and the amount of traffic on the water was so minimal. It just felt like we had the whole world to ourselves. It was really uh, it was really quite neat. So. Yeah, there's there's a balance. I feel like we were very safe with our decisions and our travel and how we organized and planned everything. And, you know, we had the, the groceries uh, delivered to the house instead of us going out and picking them up. So we were good for the week there. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, we, you know, we kind of t- did some sanitizing to the house when we first checked in just to sort of give it a double clean from whatever the previous, you know, cleaners had done. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was fantastic. So, you know, you can still get that deep breath and that breath of fresh air and enjoy the outdoors more than any other time in our history. Now's the time to do those kinds of things. You just got to look for those opportunities and it's good for the mental health to, to go do some. Well, and, stuff. and let me say too, I mean, if you're in an immunocompromised uh, situation or if you're in a, a high risk group, you know, obviously, you know, be, be ultra careful. I don't, I don't want to be cavalier about it, but if, if you take the precautions and you do the things that are, you know, maybe you don't want to go into uh, the city and go into theaters and places where, where there's lots and lots of people. But yeah, we went out to the desert and we horseback riding and Jeeps and we, there was nobody around. We had a blast and uh, no social distancing problems out in the desert. So a good lesson from all this, I think, both pandemic related, this kind of applies, but also just to the finances and the election that's coming up a few days from now. Focus on what you can control, right? Don't don't focus on the control what you can control. Make your tweaks and adjustments there. Don't let the things that you can't control stress you out to the point where you start making bad decisions about the things that you can control. I've had a really good business coach that taught me to, went through a little exercise of, you set a goal, and then 
our brains are really good at coming up with why we can't make them happen. And so I, I when anybody gets stuck, I've, I've run them through this exercise where I'm like, well, what, what do you want to have happen? You know, and get, get them real clear on what specifically they're trying to get to happen over the next six months or a year, or it could be a couple of years, but, but, but a specific goal. And then I, you, you pose the question of why can't that happen? Boom, here comes the answers. Well, this and this and this, and they, they, they can give you about four or five really good reasons why that can't happen or isn't happening or won't happen. Then instead of getting stuck in that space where oh, I, I can't get to where I want because of all these problems, you focus on each one of those obstacles and then brainstorm on how to transform that, change it, fix it. It may, it may require you know, a, a few weeks or a few months or some specific action on your part. But every time, whether it was the financial crisis, whether it was you know something happening personally, whether it was you know what what's happening with with COVID and the election right now, if you can lean into and focus on transforming those problems to get where you want to go, that is going to get you much further and get you a much better result than whoever wins the White House, what the composition of the House of Representatives is. You have far more control over your personal life and the outcome that is going to get you where, where you want to go. And if you lean into and fix those things that aren't going your way, find ways to innovate solutions to those, it, it's a psychologically transforming, positive, and, and very results-oriented that you can control method to, to actually making your, your goals happen. So every, every time this world closes in on somebody and, and they're, they feel stuck, uh, it's just a fa- fantastic exercise to go through. So anybody curious about that? I've, I've got a couple acolytes out there that, that I've done this with that are big fans of the process. But if that sounds like something you'd like to do, I'd be happy to walk you through it. Very cool. Brian, what resources can we point people in the direction of if they have questions, not just about the election, but um, you know, maybe they've listened to a couple of episodes or, hey, super fans out there, they've listened to every episode of the show. What's the process look like to work with you? How does somebody know if they would be a good fit to work with you? And uh, what's the best way to kind of get that process started for most people? So if, you, if you're new or if you've listened to a few episodes and you're just curious about getting started, go to livingworth.com and click on the get started and go to the Livingworth Retirement Mindset Scorecard. And there's a number of questions that you can get an idea of. You know, these are areas that we could help with or everything is fine. You'll get a little output from that. We're also working on two new resources that will be available virtual. We've got a new paper coming out called the 401k trap. And we talk about how contributing to a 401k may actually increase your lifetime taxes and then what you can do about it. And then it uh, looks really pretty too. It does look very pretty. Yeah, we've had <laughs> some good design work on that. So we've, we've, we've tried to make it readable and comprehensible with some supporting graphics. So it's, uh, it's, it's looking really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's all at livingworth.com. And we'll put a link in the description or show notes section of today's show. So it's easy for you to find that, but it's easy to access anytime. Livingworth.com. Again, your place to go to get that. You can also call the team if you ever have any questions for Brian and want to get in touch the old-fashioned way. 706-451-9800 is the number. 706-451-9800. Well, Brian, enjoy the last few days of election season. We'll see what happens over these next couple of weeks, and uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, a reactionary episode at some point here down the line in in November as we uh, get this thing figured out. I don't know if it's going to take one day or one week or a month to figure it all out, but we'll see how it all transpires. 
it, it'll be drama uh, regardless, whichever way it goes. We, we won't be saving the drama for our mama this year. That's right. <laughs> We're going to let the hyperbole run free uh, for the next couple of weeks, I think. Uh, it be interesting to watch. Well, thank you so much, sir. We appreciate the guidance and the help, and uh, have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. You do the same. Thanks, Walter. All right, that's Brian Doe. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Hope you have a great rest of your day and week, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.